You're listening to Ready to Real Estate, a TREB podcast. Hear stories, uncover insights, and tune into interviews on key issues that impact realtors and all of us. Join us as we discover how people, properties, and communities all come together to build the future of real estate. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ready to Real Estate. I'm your host, Jason Mercer, TREB's Chief Market Analyst. Now, after two years of rock-bottom borrowing costs brought about by pandemic-related monetary policy decisions, the Bank of Canada has raised its policy rate twice in two months, by 25 basis points in March and 50 basis points about three weeks ago in April. Now, Tiff Macklem, the governor of the Bank of Canada, has indicated that further rate hikes are in the offing as the bank pursues its mandate to see inflation recede closer to the 2% mark. The result is that home buyers are now faced with higher fixed and variable mortgage rates. This has impacted affordability, with home sales down markedly in the GTA in April. Obviously, the upward trend in borrowing costs is top of mind for TREB member realtors, homeowners, and would-be home buyers and sellers. Joining me today to discuss the rising interest rates and the effect they'll have on the Canadian mortgage market and, by extension, the housing market is Rob McLister. Rob is a mortgage columnist at the Globe and Mail, an editor of MortgageLogic.News, an industry bulletin tracking mortgage rates, financing tactics, and new lending products. Thanks for joining us today, Rob. It is my pleasure indeed. Well, I wanted to start off our, our discussion today by drilling a little bit deeper into the Bank of Canada's decision to start raising rates. Uh, I mentioned inflation in our intro today, but maybe take us through the bank's decision-making process in a bit more detail. Well, I'm still trying to figure out the bank's decision-making process. I think it's kind of confusing a lot of people. Um, you know, the Bank of Canada is is well behind the curve in fighting inflation. Um, there's now very little argument about that uh, in economic circles. Um, you know, we have uh, CPI that's uh, well over uh, three times normal. Uh, you know, you got core CPI or core inflation, average core inflation now 3.77. That's headed to two times normal. These are significant numbers we have not seen in decades. Um, you know, and people's, the, the, the biggest uh, problem is that people's inflation expectations, uh, which are so crucial to future inflation, are not completely detached, at least in the short and medium term. You know, the Bank of Canada likes to talk about how, you know, inflation expectations over the long term uh, are, you know, still anchored at 2%. Well, in the long term, we're all dead. I don't know what kind of long term they're talking about. Um, the fact is that people are, are suffering right now, literally, uh, to, to, you know, to pay their uh, shelter costs, gas costs, food costs, everything. And there's, you know, there's, there's, there's an uproar out there. And the Bank of Canada could have a, 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 not have avoided this because there's things that are out of its control. You know, sure. Bank of Canada doesn't control oil prices and, you know, food, you know, wheat prices, things like that. Um, but there's things that they could have done to get out in front of this. And, um, you know, I, I think that central bankers don't have enough confidence in their own inflation forecast to give the market comfort. You know, I, the market is uh, worried that it could get worse. Uh, we don't know where oil is going. Uh, we don't know where a lot of these commodities are going. Um, and so there, there's a lot of risk on the horizon. 
And do you think, you know, some of their hesitancy to say start raising rates, you know, perhaps last year, for example, was due to the uncertainty around COVID? Because, I mean, you know, after, you know, a couple of decades of being lauded for, um, you know, sort of forecasting inflation and making incremental adjustments, now it seems like we're chasing inflation more so like what we saw, you know, in the late 1980s and, and early 1990s. And it was that was it that uncertainty around COVID and, and you know, perspective lockdowns and that type of thing that uh, that gave them some pause certainly absolutely and and you know you, you can't totally slight the bank of canada for taking a little caution in that respect but at the end of the day uh recession is bad but inflation that's out of control is way worse because that leads to much worse outcomes long term you know in march uh, we had a cpi that was 400 basis points over prime rate right that is that is incredible. Like you got to go back to 1952 to find that kind of spread. Um, so yeah, the Bank of Canada was slow in raising rates. And now the market's worried, and you see this in the bond market right now, the market's worried that uh, they're still not doing enough. 50 basis points, they worry that's not enough. Yeah, it's a good point. And I mean, that's a nice segue into, into the next question I had written down here is, is based on what you're seeing and hearing. I mean, what do you think the trajectory is for the Bank of Canada in terms of, of rate analysis for the remainder of 2022, both in terms of pace, but I guess in terms of, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the size or magnitude of those, uh, of those rate increases as well? Yeah, so, uh, you know, the bond market's projecting uh, 3% overnight rate by uh, December. Um, and so I think there's a very good chance we're going to get there, uh, if not this year, then next. Um, so, you know, I think that they're going to try and keep pace with uh, the Fed. Uh, you know, the Bank of Canada and the Fed talk a lot, obviously. Um, you know, they try to uh, uh, not decouple uh, in the early part of uh, rate hike cycles too much because it has all kinds of effects, currency effects, and just a whole bunch of other nasty things. So I think that, you know, you'll see the Bank of Canada and the Fed uh, most likely uh, raise 50 basis points for at least the next two or three meetings, uh, followed by, you know, a quarter point here or there. But a lot of this, excuse me, depends on what happens with inflation in the next three months. So there's this view that, you know, inflation is ma magically going to correct itself and just mechanically uh, start coming down, do these year-over-year uh, -year comps because right. uh, there's some you know pretty big inflation, monthly inflation prints uh, a year ago, and so that's the expectation. The market uh, wants that to happen. Uh, you know, I, I think that we want to uh, believe that inflation is um, still under control, um, even though we don't know truly if if it is. Um, and so we're going to have to see, you know, how inflation acts in the next uh, three months. That's going to tell us a lot. Now, I mean, is there anything that could give the, the Bank of Canada pause? Like, I think they've they fully bought into, you know, multiple rate increases and, and in that sort of 50 basis point variety for the foreseeable few uh, meetings or, or announcements. But is there anything we could see? Like, for example, if we, if we start to see, like we, we talked about it in the housing market in particular, but, you know, broader, say, consumer spending metrics that might give the Bank of Canada a little bit of pause just because, you know, consumer spending, that consumer driven side of the economy is, is so important for overall growth in Canada? Is there anything that, that could see them, you know, tap the brakes a little bit as you move through 2022? For sure. Uh, you know, the economy is tightening itself to some degree. 
already uh, because it knows uh, what happens when you hike rates 200 to 300 basis points. Right. Um, and, you know, people have less discretionary income to spend because, you know, the cost of everything's going up so much. Um, so that has uh, ultimately a, a slow in effect. Um, and so if the Bank of Canada sees that, uh, then sure, you know, it might take uh, its foot off the gas a little bit. I think that um, it'll be heavily influenced by what happens in the U.S., um, uh, regardless of what's happening in Canada. Um, but yes, that, that, that could mitigate uh, rate hikes uh, later this year. So, and you mentioned the bond market as well, and sort of it being a leading indicator, if you will, of, of what the market at least feels that the that the bank's going to do. And, and of course, you know that that also influences uh, mortgage rates differently. Uh, you know, last year we were observing fixed mortgage rates start to trend upwards in terms of a, a, a contract basis, uh, well ahead of the bank's moves uh, this year. And so maybe you could provide our, our listeners with a bit of perspective on on the differences in in, in fixed rate versus variable rate mortgages and and why borrowing costs associated with those two I guess general classes if you will don't always move in lockstep with each other yeah so fixed rates um, you know the key off the bond market so bond yields are, are the big driver five-year fixed most popular term uh, over the long term in the last uh, six months actually variables been more popular but <coughs> Um, and, and variable rates, you know, they're following uh, prime rate. Uh, and so I don't think we're going to see, uh, you know, that change. Uh, you're going to see variable discounts potentially change a little bit uh, when, you know, if, if things get a little hairy in the economy uh, and there's some, you know, the more feel of crisis, you're going to see uh, spreads uh, widen out. So when, what that means is, you know, you're going to see uh, the cost to banks, uh, which are the dominant mortgage funders in Canada, uh, go up, relatively speaking, uh, relative to safe, uh, you know, government treasuries. And when that spread widens out, uh, you know, you see uh, lenders reflect that in mortgage pricing. And so, you know, theoretically, uh, you know, if we saw a, a huge drop in home prices, we saw, you know, unemployment start spiking up, you know, the market's going to get worried and it's not going to let RBC borrow at the same cost as it's borrowing today. And that's going to filter through to mortgage pricing. And I do believe that uh, variable rate discounts are going to shrink a little bit uh, sometime over the next 12 months. And when that happens, you know, it can take, you know, a year, two years uh, sometimes for those variable rate discounts to come back. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and I, I guess you could look at this on, on the other side of the coin as well, is, is that sort of looking at that difference between sort of the, the longer term uh, bond market and, and, and how that relates to, to, to the mortgage market. Um, you know, as, as we sort of move through this rate tightening cycle, are, are there signs that, um, you know, people could look at to suggest, well, the Bank of Canada sort of, uh, um, you know, maybe has reached or is getting close to topping out in terms of interest rate hikes and, and uh, you know, there might even be some indicators that things could start moving in the other uh, direction. Is there is there things you can look at in that relationship and how it changes to, to point to that side of things as well? So the market's expecting, uh, you know, rates to go up around the top end of the bank's neutral rate estimate, which uh, is somewhere around 3% uh, for the overnight rate. Um, historically, you know, uh, rate hike cycles last about two and a half years. 
Uh, rates go up on average roughly about 175 basis points, depending on what uh, you know uh, time period you're looking at. Um, but those, you know, that 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 average kind of hides uh, the extreme cases, and we're not in an average rate hike cycle right now. We're in a case where inflation is a serious risk, um, you know, akin to uh, what happened in the 70s, uh, early 80s. Not that bad. But um, the relative risk um, is still very high. So, you know, in this in the seventies and the early eighties, you saw, uh, you know, rates go up, policy rates go up, um, or I think prime rate go up about eight points on average uh, in three different uh, periods where rates really ran up right. back then to control inflation um, or to react to inflation. So uh, that's not going to happen this time. We're not going to see double digit interest rates. Um, we just can't tolerate the economy can't tolerate. Um, but you know, let's say that we're half as uh, or, or twice as sensitive to rate hikes today. So instead of eight points, maybe you know, uh, rates have to go up four points right. to control inflation. That's not out of the question. You know, the market's pricing in 300, that doesn't mean it's going to happen. Um, you know, we could get 200, we could get 400. Sure. Um, but I think you have to bank on at least a 300 basis point total uh, rate increase. And if you're living near the edge uh, and you got a mortgage and you're trying to budget all this stuff out, you have to assume that rates could go up 300 base points. In fact, you want to think to yourself, man, if, if, if everyone is uh, totally underestimating inflation and we get four points of hikes, what's this going to do to my payment? How can I continue making those payments? Do I have enough you know, uh, fallback assets and whatnot. Like these are just the kind of questions that people really should be asking. Now, I don't want to sound too uh, alarmist here because realistically, um, once we see 200 basis points of hikes, I think that you're going to noticeably, uh, or, or you see noticeable slowing um, in the economy. Um, and, you know, rate hikes take about at least, you know, 12 to 18 months to filter through to the economy. So it's not going to happen overnight. Um, but like I said before, you have the, the market already uh, kind of self-tightening in certain ways. Um, you know, business investment kind of uh, being reduced somewhat because people are starting to uh, expect potential recession. Um, you know, depending on what ec economists you talk to, you know, the uh, estimates for recession in 2023 or 2024 range from 15% to 35%. And if you look back in time, those estimates never get up to 100%. You know, no one's ever sure that we're going to have recession. Um, but th the mere prospect of that kind of slowdown uh, will keep uh, investment and consumer spending lower than it normally would be. No, that makes sense. And, and I guess, you know, you, you, you mentioned affordability, and I think that's an important point and, and maybe switching gears a bit from, you know, the trends that we've seen in, 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 in sort of different aspects of the, of the mortgage market or classes of the mortgage market, and just sort of thinking about, you know, how the increase in mortgage rates generally um, has impacted affordability. I'm thinking in particular of, you know, along lines of on average uh, of monthly pays, payments or how much of monthly payments increased per 100,000 in borrowed funds for an average borrower out there, say, you know, this time last year to where we are today? Yeah, well, you know, I just did a, a chart on this, actually. The, um, the qualifying mortgage payment today is over $4,700 a month. That's what you got to prove 
to get approved at a prime lender on the average um, home purchase with 20% down. That is an extraordinary number. Uh, You know, uh, there's not uh, that many (laughs) Canadian households that can afford that. And that's why, you know, eventually prices go so high that there's just not enough people willing and able, uh, you know, to get a mortgage and and handle those payments. Um, And interest rates, you know, are 80% inversely correlated to home prices if you go way back, look back decades, roughly speaking. Um, so, you know, rates matter. Um, I would, you know, there's an argument, what's the biggest factor, um, weighing on home prices. Um, I would say that rates are, are definitely one or two. Um, you know, there's all kinds of things happening right now. You got, uh, sentiment, um, you know, with all the government, uh, taxes and policy changes and whatnot. And that sentiment's changing on a dime, by the way, it's, it's incredible how fast, you know, uh, sentiment has, has changed. Um, you have supply. There's this mad rush to address this, you know, the supply uh, shortage. Um, and um, interestingly, though, that 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 rush to build uh, is is actually causing a, a rush for building materials, which is you know pushing up uh, prices. Which yeah, which is kind of funny. Uh, not funny, but especially if you're building a house, not funny. But um, it's yeah, it's ironic. Um, and then you got prices themselves. You know, I mean, uh, prices, uh, when you see uh, the kind of run up we've had in home prices, and it doesn't matter if you look at a nominal chart of prices or a real chart, um, you know, that is, you know, parabolic. And when you see prices go up that much, I don't care if it's, uh, you know, stock prices, home prices, tulip bulb prices, I don't care. Um, You know, you cannot keep going vertical. And so, uh, high prices are a, uh, you know, a great remedy for high prices in many cases. Yeah. And let me ask, because I mean, up until about a month ago, you're seeing a borrower having to qualify at, at five and a quarter percent under the, the Austria stress test rule yet, you know, they're, they're talking about contract rates, obviously much lower than that. And over the past year, I mean, you know, you're talking about, you know, 2% or, 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 or even less. And so we had this scenario where people were qualifying at five and a quarter yet, when we see the contract rates over the last month move to say four, um, you know, that's had a real, that, that's caused a real slowdown on the economy. So where do you think the, uh, I guess, discrepancy exists between people qualifying at five and a quarter, um, whereas when they're looking at, say, a contract rate now of four, that's giving them pause in terms of, uh, in terms of moving into a, a home purchase? Yeah, so I mean, five-year fixed borrowers are, are qualifying roughly at around 6.09% right now. Right. Um, so anyone that uh, is on the edge of qualifying, um, that really wants to buy a home, um, that would have taken a five-year fix in normal times is looking at, uh, variable rates, uh, just to shoehorn themselves into a house. Um, and so, you know, obviously you've got variable rates at 2.39 right now. Uh, you're going to have to get them above, uh, 3.25% to clear that, uh, a minimum qualifying rate of 5.25% because it's the contract rate plus 200 basis points. Um, but, uh, you know, that's going to happen if, if uh, market rate projections are accurate, that's going to happen um, in the next quarter or so. That's interesting. Do you expect OSFI to, to make any move on, on their side from a, from a policy perspective? So I've tried to get, you know, information from OSFI about what's going, what's it going to take 
uh, to increase that 5.25% uh, minimum qualifying rate. Uh, and they just won't tell me. Uh, they don't want to spook the market, I don't think. They don't want to speculate. They don't want to, you know, talk about hypotheticals. Um, you know, they give me these answers like, you know, the um, uh, it's based on, you know, risk and, and a whole bunch of economic factors and whatnot. So um, I uh, am not convinced um, that they'd make any significant increase in that minimum qualifying rate. Um, you know, that would be uh, pro-cyclical to the downside uh, in exacerbating uh, any home price weakness. I'm not sure they want to do that. You know, maybe, you know, a quarter point uh, adjustment here or there. That's that's one thing. But um, yeah, I, I just don't think that they're convinced that there's enough uh, qualification risk in the market right now, despite all the, um, you know, talk about high debt ratios and whatnot um, to really take that you know, that next step. So I, I just want to stay on the topic now, you know, still just on sort of mortgage product uh, uh, a little bit. And you talked about, you know, people who are right on the margin of affordability and that sort of ever popular fixed rate product are, are maybe looking um, to variable now. Are, are, you, are we going to see um, differences in, in, in sort of term as well as we move forward? Like people looking to sort of roll over over a shorter period of time or, or, or maybe look at a longer period if we're sitting here right now and thinking the next couple of years could be, um, you know, problematic if they had to renew, like, where do you think people are at in terms of like term length, that type of thing? Yeah. So, you know, with five-year fixed rates in the fours, um, you know, I personally would be a little bit nervous about uh, locking in at those numbers uh, knowing what kind of impact a two or 300 plus basis point, uh, uh, basis points of rate tightening would have in the market after, you know, 12 to 24 months. So I think there's a lot of value right now in the one year fixed. Uh, and if you look online, you can get those for like 2.79%, even uninsured. I don't know how long that will last. Um, but um, certainly any fixed rates below 3%, if you can find them are a steal. Um, because, you know, based on the trajectory of rate hikes, you know, if you can lock in today, uh, even though you're, you know, paying maybe a half to three quarters of a point uh, more than a variable rate right now, um, you're going to shelter yourself from, you know, 12 months of, uh, of rate increases and that, you know, on an average size Canadian mortgage, that's material. Um, now, once you get, uh, once we see, actually see those, you know, 200 or 300 basis point um, rate hikes, assuming that happen, then, you know, then you get uh, variable rates significantly above their five-year average. And I've done a lot of work on this and gone back. And, you know, there's, uh, I think I found one instance um, in the 70s where, you know, um, uh, variable rates were, you know, 50% above their five-year average, uh, and you still would have done better in a fixed. It just doesn't happen very often. Once, you know, rates are cyclical, the economy is cyclical. Once, you know, um, you know, the rates run up, uh, significantly above average, uh, then you typically get a turning point. You get a catalyst that brings them back down. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And it's important to remember that, you know, the other thing that's happening right here is, is the Bank of Canada is also sort of rebuilding uh, the, the the cushion that it had to account for, you know, economic downturn and that in the future. And if we see, you know, the magnitude of rate increases that the market is pricing in, um, that'll be quite a cushion if we start to see things turn and they have to take, you know, action in the other direction, they'll, they'll have, you know, room to do so. <clears throat> I want to touch on one point that you made as well, because you often hear, you know, 
ads on the radio talking about low rates and, and this type of thing. And, they, and they're often referring to that insured rate, um, you know, and given home prices um, in major centers in Canada, at least that sort of threshold for insurance is at a million dollars. So, you know, thinking about insured versus uninsured mortgages, maybe you can kind of explain what people are looking at if they're in or out of that, uh, of that uh, segment of the market. Yeah, so insured rates are, are can be significantly cheaper. You know, we're talking about 30 basis points cheaper on a five-year fix today. Um, and that's, you know, because insured, uh, the cost of funding an insured mortgage is less for a lender uh, than an uninsured mortgage, um, which uses just higher cost funding. Um, so, <clears throat> uh, but most people, you know, put down at least 20% statistically. Uh, and so, um, you know, and they're getting a lot of money from mom and dad and other sources uh, these days to fund their down payments. So most people are looking at uninsured rates. When I quote rates, I typically for, you know, for media purposes or whatnot, I typically quote uh, uninsured for that purpose. Right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, today, uh, uninsured five-year fixed, you know, best in, uh, on a nationally available basis, um, 4.09 um, HSBC. Um, uh, they also have a uh, best variable 2.39% five year. Um, so that, that gap between the two is 170 basis points right now. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are turned on by that. You know, they're like, you know, why would I'll take my chances? Um, you know, even knowing that, you know, 200 basis points uh, of further hikes are likely in the cards, um, potentially more. Um, so, yeah. It's interesting. And, you know, we're, 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 we're getting close to the end of our time, but I want to speak about, you know, those home buyers who might be taking on a mortgage for the first time. Um, these could be young people purchasing their first home or newcomers to Canada. And how, how have potential borrowers like these being impacted by higher borrowing costs and in addition to, you know, stricter borrowing guidelines and how have they adapted and, and how do you think they're going to adapt moving forward? Or, or, or you know, is it, does it become more and more difficult to manage in, in those situations, you know, in this type of environment? Well, it's certainly not the best time in history to be a first time home buyer. Um, you know, you got price risk, you got qualification challenges. Um, you know, you got a dearth of supply, dearth of choices out there. Um, and, you know, you get a, a 5% mortgage, you know, after insurance fees, you're at 98.8% uh, financed. Um, that's a little scary right now. Uh, you know, it doesn't take much of a you know, downward uh, correction to put you, you way underwater. Um, and so, you know, if you're advising folks uh, about, you know, first time buyers, specifically who are planning on getting in with 5% down, um, you know, these people better be really comfortable with uh, the home they're buying because they might be in it for a while. Yeah. And so I guess the final question I got for you, and it's on the same, in the same sort of vein, I guess, is, um, you know, realizing everyone's financial situation is different, but, you know, what do you think the top couple pieces of advice you'd, you'd give to a potential buyer and borrower in today's rapidly changing market? I don't want to get too bearish uh, because no one's smart enough to know where the market's going. Uh, you know, CMHC with all the data in the world on the Canadian housing market, we know how their price forecast is done. Um, so I don't want to, you know, I'm not the man when it comes to predicting where uh, prices are going in the future. All I can tell you is what's happened in the past. And, you know, in the past, there's a somewhat different world. Uh, you know, you didn't have the uh, immigration levels. You didn't have um, the supply issues to the same extent. And, uh, you know, the rate market was different, all kinds of stuff. But 
if you have to be honest with yourself, uh, you know, there's a, a more headwinds than tailwinds in the real estate market right now. So you've, you want to make sure those buyers are prepared uh, to ride this out. Um, in the 2017 experience, you know, we saw from a real home price standpoint, not nominal, because real home prices, I think, are what matter most. Uh, you know, you saw, you know, prices take 11 quarters to, um, you know, get back above par. Um, in, you know, 1989, uh, what was it, about 13 years before real home prices uh, got back above water. So, you know, the real estate market, we're used to, it's like inflation. You know, we're used to think inflation staying at 2%. What the hell is it doing at 6, you know, 6.7%? We're used to home prices going up 5, 6% a year. Um, well, you know, sometimes you got to get unused to things because circumstances change and you've got to be honest with buyers. We are in uncertain times. So when you're in uncertain times, you don't want to take more risk. You want to take less risk. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate that insight. Maybe I'll ask one more sort of a bonus question, if you will. I mean, we're heading into, um, we, we just had a federal election where we're heading into, a, you know, provincial and, and local election. I mean, you know, most government policy that's, that, that's, that's pointed at the, at the boring side of things is at the federal level. But, you know, what would you like to see from policymakers in, in the near term as it relates to the, the, the mortgage market and maybe by extension, the housing market? Well, you know, I think that uh, you don't want to really uh, pile on the straw and break the camel's back much more right now, because I think that the housing market's going to correct itself to a large degree. Um, I would like to see that uh, insured value limit go up from a million dollars to 1.25 million. Uh, I realize that that is, uh, you know, bullish for that segment. Um, you know, uh, Terranet said that uh, the latest data is that about 8% of home sales were in that bracket, 1 million to 1.25 million. Um, you know, they haven't uh, adjusted that number, that million dollar cap in insurance in, in a decade. And it's about time because, you know, uh, the government has to do its part for all homeowners. You know, they, they, they seem to think that these people buying, a, you know, million dollar homes uh, are so rich that they can take care of themselves. Well, that's not the case. You know, people buying a million dollar home are struggling still. You know, I mean, I don't know if anyone noticed, but the, the tax burden in Canada uh, isn't exactly rosy. You know, we, we have a very high tax burden. Uh, we have very uh, nowadays, very high cost of living. Um, you know, if you have a job in a major city, um, it's going to cost you a million bucks, you know, to get a decent place in many cases. Um, you know, not everyone has the luxury of commuting an hour and a half to work. So make it a little bit easier. Uh, index that limit um, to prices. Make it a little bit easier. Well, thanks very much, Rob. I think that's a good place to, to, to end off. And, and I really appreciate our conversation today. I've learned a lot. Uh, and I know our, our listeners will as well. So, you know, again, thanks very much for, for taking part in our podcast today. This was fun. Thanks for having me. And I hope it didn't depress you, my people. <laughs> and thanks to all of you for listening in. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to Treb's Ready to Real Estate podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to all of you for joining us. And we'll see you next time. That's it for us. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media and visit our website, treb.ca. That's T-R-R-E-B.ca to find market insights and more. This has been another episode of Ready to Real Estate, and thanks for tuning in. Mm-hmm.